They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side Life. This is the Somerset Podcast. I'm Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, as always, are Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And we're recording this after the first game back at Taunton. Myself and Dan were there. Steve couldn't make it, and Anthony was also there in his professional capacity working for the BBC. And the fans were not disappointed. The first morning back, we were treated to a glorious Somerset batting collapse. We couldn't keep watching them on the Ustream. We had to we had to see them in the flesh. But, as always, the lower order dug us out of a hole. First of all, it was uh, Tom Banton and Steve Davis who was opening the batting, uh, we believe, just for that one game against Hampshire until Devon Conway arrives. Um, but when they were both out, the score was precariously positioned at 113 for seven before a 171 partnership between Lewis Gregory and the best player in the world, Roloff van der Merwe, saw us up eventually to... Um, 360 all out. Marchant Delanger putting the cherry on the icing of the cake with a huge six over the Trez Pavilion into the churchyard to see Somerset. 360 all out. Um, batting points gained. Um, eventually, though, the game petering out into a rain affected draw. Josh Davy did pick up five wickets in that uh, Hampshire first innings. George Barlett made a, a slightly disjointed hundred in the Somerset second innings. Um, putting his foot on the gas after a message came out with some gloves early on that Sunday morning. Um, But hands were shook between James Vince and Tom Abel with the uh, rain falling and the Hampshire score at 88 for two in their second innings. Uh, So we finished with 15 points for the draw to their 14. And I had my phone all ready with the tables on. And oh, here it is. Sorry. So Somerset are top of group two with 119 points yeah <laughs> the gloucesters are second on 109 they got absolutely pumped by leicestershire by an innings and plenty uh hampshire on third with 108 surrey 101 leicester 93 and middlesex with 60 everybody in group two has played eight games so various theories have abounded about whether we wanted to win or the draw was the best result. Anthony, I tweeted you on Sunday morning during the game saying that I'd given up working uh, working out whether a draw or a win was the best result. I've given it some thoughts since and I am still none the wiser. Would it have been better to win? Would it have been better to draw? Or is the point system completely arse about face? No, we, we should have won. Well, we should have gone for the win. I don't. I don't think we would have won. Because of the weather, and and it was a pretty flat pitch, and uh, Hampshire a strong batting side, and we were without um, Overton and Leach. But even so, it showed a, a worrying lack of enterprise and ambition. I thought, not even trying for it. I mean, they they just shut up shop from about half past five on the um, Saturday afternoon, when Josh Davy was sent in as night watchman. Uh, and then we had sort of twenty meaningless overs where they just knocked the ball around. And then, you know, uh, for the last 20, 20 minutes, half an hour, we saw some nice shots from Tom Banton especially, and George Bartlett reached his 100. But, um, 
you know, for whatever reason, they'd obviously settled for a, a draw. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure that's wise. If you look at the fixtures that are to come, Leicester are going to be no pushover. Um, you've got the weather to factor into the equation. Gloucestershire are playing Hampshire, so if either of those wins. And Surrey are always a threat. We've got them at the Oval with um, Verdi and, and the new um, Moriarty, their other uh, spinner. So, you know, I would have much rather had the points in, in the bag rather than whether there was any sort of um, cunning plan to usher Hampshire through as opposed to Gloucestershire. I'm not sure. But if there was, I think it's a very silly idea because I'd, I, even with a six and a half point penalty, I'd sooner face Gloucestershire in, in or sooner have Gloucestershire in the same division with us come September as Hampshire. Dan, you were there, um, well, not with me, but in <laughs> um, what did you make of it all uh, Thursday? Were you there yeah. all four days? I was, yeah, yeah, I was lucky. Um, yeah, nothing felt amiss to me until we sent Davy in. I think things were normal um, uh, until that point. We were, I wrote this down, so we were 360 ahead. Uh, we, we'd been scoring almost four and over. Uh, and I was expecting... You know, Banton to come in as normal and push on and possibly look to declare overnight. You know, I so then there was the six overs of Bartlett and Davy batting together. And they only added twelve runs, uh, and it was very it, 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 it is it is hard to make sense of it. Um, in a way, I understand to an extent. I think what we were trying to do was, you know, and Tom said it. We wanted to put the game completely beyond doubt, and we didn't want to do anything too funky i guess um we just we, for whatever reason we were completely risk averse and that was because we were happy with the draw and we but we really really didn't want to lose um and yeah the, the next morning was odd as well uh, you know i was sort of laughing every time they left the ball it was just sort of felt perverse but again it, i think it's a, i think it was about clarity of thought and clarity of plans and they had told the batsman Bartley and Banton to just bat normally and Hampshire I think bowled quite well that morning so they weren't really given much to hit and that meant that as they were batting normally they you know their judgment meant that they you know didn't score that many runs so they scored 46 runs in the first 15 overs um that morning so we were scoring slower than the previous day when we've been going at four and over that morning we went at three and over for the first 15 overs and then obviously there was that message and they said right we're going to declare in four overs time um so they, you know, Bartlett and Bartlett and Banton both um, made sure they got their milestones. Um, I'm guessing they had a specific time they wanted to bat until um, it was about twelve fifteen, wasn't it, when we declared? And I think again, it comes back to this clarity of thought. I think that's just they, you know, it's it's difficult. You don't you don't want to you don't want scrambled minds in cricket, I guess. You know, so they they just kept things simple. Um, I think partly Tom. Tom will reflect on it and he'll learn. He's not, you know, since he became captain, he's not declared that many times, I don't think. He's not had to have this timing of a declaration issue because mainly because our batting lineup has been quite fragile. So it's, it was fairly new for him, I guess. And I hope he'll learn from it. And as Anthony said, we were never going to win anyway because at most we could have had maybe two more hours bowling Hampshire. Um, if we'd been a bit more enterprising, you know, that's including the hour that we would have played for, 
after five o'clock potentially after the rain um so he wouldn't have won but i just hope maybe tom will learn you know he'll reflect on it and think actually maybe we could have been a bit more positive um and he'll you know learn that you know remember that for the future um for a game you know for games where we need to win as well because the thing with this one was we didn't have to win and i'm sure we would have been more positive um if we did have to win and i'm not worried that tom is a defensive captain because you know he's He's never struck me as defensive before. He's always struck me as being quite sensible, but you know, balanced. You know, he's he's enforced a follow-on twice at Taunton, which were which was were both quite aggressive moves both times. So, yeah, I, I trust him. Um, and the other final point is that it, outside the dressing room, the conversation is always so different to inside. You know, you you got that vibe from the um, England India test earlier this year when everyone on Twitter was saying, "We oh, yeah, had declare soon," but England went complete opposite and, <laughs> and just. They score slowly for a while, didn't they? I can't remember the exact the exact situation, but yeah, it's funny how it's just funny how different conversations are outside and inside. Because inside, there's a big, much bigger fear of losing. I think because they're the ones who um, are accountable for it. Whereas we, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, we, we can say what we like; mm. it doesn't matter. So yeah, that's it, really. Thanks, Dan. Steve, uh, we all said last week on the podcast that this is a must-not lose game. Well, we didn't lose it. You happy with the not loss, or do you think? Yeah, uh, the guy said. Yep. We could, we, could we have pushed I'm, on I'm any, any differently? I'm coming at this at a completely different angle because, um, thanks to Andy Cleave and others who've been, we've been having quite a discussion on social media, um, and I think the flaw is in the system, which I think we flagged up at the start, which is the carry forward of points. Um, we, we've all decided that we're going to scrap the Bob Willis Trophy final and we're going to play the extra game. I know that means that you'd have three at home and two away or vice versa, but that's what I would do so that you don't have this points carry forward argument. I think the tell was in a interview with Anthony at the end of the game. And I sent you all a, a sort of spoof interview that how it should have gone and how I did. And I think what Tom Abel really wanted to say was, yeah, of course, we want the draw. We want Hampshire to go through with us because we want to win the title. Mm-hmm. And Hampshire coming through with us gives us more points. And we want to make sure Gloucester don't qualify because, you know, for local rivalry as much as anything. So I think that was the honest, the honest answer. Um, what jars with me slightly is that Jason Kerr will always say we want to play a brand of aggressive cricket and we want to be on top of the opposition. And I don't actually think sending Banton or Lewis Gregory, even Roloff in on the Saturday evening would have damaged that at all. And it would have shown a bit more intent. And I think there was a little bit of being blinkered by this, the, the objective, which is to go into Division 1 with as many points as possible, rather than we've got a bunch of fans in here who've been starved of cricket for the best part of two years. Let's give them something to go home with this evening that's really entertaining. So, all in all, very happy. I mean, the other thing you've got to remember is that during the day on Saturday, Gloucester were falling like a pack of cards for the <laughs> second time and walking away with two points. And last week when we said we'd take a high-scoring draw, I think we all, if we didn't say it, we thought it, Gloucestershire were going to get a result at Leicester or come away with a decent number of points. So, I'm, I'm very glass half full at the moment because I think we will do Leicestershire at home or get a very good result out of them. And when you look at the fact that Hampshire have got a place...
So I, I just think it's all aligning quite nicely for us. Um, and the other thing worth mentioning is if you look at the groups, we would have the highest points total all bar the eight-point deduction mm, there because Lancashire have now got 126. And for all the grumbling and moaning, it's really instructive to listen to the other commentators when we're off or it's, you know, I tend to flick over even in a tea break and see what other games are going on. And nearly every other commentator is bemoaning the top order or the middle order or we can't bowl anyone out or combination of all three. What, they're all bemoaning so, Somerset's top order, are they? Or are they? Uh, no, their own. <laughs> you know, you're, I mean, Yorkshire have got Don Best batting at six at the moment. Now, I'm not saying Don Best isn't potentially a top order player, but I don't think he would have batted six if he'd have been available for this game with Jack Leach off for England. Hmm. You know, we've got Lewis Gregory and Rola van der Murph coming in at eight and nine. And I suspect they would bat a bit higher in the Yorkshire order than that. Um, so I, I'm actually, I've come out of it really positive. I think a large part of it is that Gloucestershire only took two points, which as everyone all know, makes me very, very happy indeed. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really difficult to get a result at the Oval for either side. So, beat Leicester, job done as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, agree with that. I think had Gloucester beaten Leicestershire, then we probably would have seen some urgency from Somerset mm -hmm. to win uh, the win the game on Sunday. I have had a few thoughts about how we progress the or manage the transfer from the three conferences. To the three divisions in the Bob Willis, in the sorry, in the county championship, and what you actually take through. So I'm just going to run some of these quickly by you guys. A fixed ten point bonus for winning the group. Yes or no? No. No. Play the extra game. Yes, we win the fifth game. Yep. So play the side that. Yep. Goes up you again. Yeah. Yep. Only take the points from the first game against the side that goes up with you. No, you got to. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, that, that's. Yeah, I don't like that. I think it's got to be both. I like your lateral thinking. I admire mm. your lateral thinking, but I don't think that one would work. And my well, last one, I couldn't think of any more, is take through the highest points tally that you got from a single game. No, the one you missed out is the one that I'm in favour of, which is you simply take forward the points you've scored in the group stages. Uh, all points. Yeah, I, that's what I would do as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. all the points because you've earned those points. You know, it, you, 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 it's yeah, it's, I like it's that championship in in two divisions. You know, <laughs> and and effectively you will end up playing against the, the you know the top five or whatever and, and all of the points that you have accumulated during the season ought to count towards that seems to me yeah makes sense if they've got the seedings right as well it, it should work yeah or another alternative option two divisions of nine one above the other two up two down nice and simple <laughs> that's, that's a bit revolutionary Dan if you don't mind me one division that. of eight no one division of 18 you don't play everybody twice. Some games are three days. Some games are four day. And we stop, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Shepherd and doing we, his audition for and the ECB. We play yeah. a forty-over Sunday league game in the middle <laughs> after day mm. three. Bring back the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after this was the nineties. Thank you, that... Dan. I'm not that old. 
and the 70s. And then what used to happen was that you play a championship game in Leeds, finishing on the Tuesday at half past five. And at half past ten, you'd have a Benson and Hedges quarter final at Taunton. Yeah. The best ones was where you played a team in a county championship game with the Sunday sandwich, but one game was away and one game was at home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so you'd yeah, all yeah. traipse yeah. from Old Trafford to Edgbaston for Sunday and then back up to Old Trafford to finish the uh, finish the championship game. I, I discovered a game the other day, right, which was Benson and Hedges. But the Benson and Hedges game was like, it was like rained off, not rained off, it was curtailed. Then the next day was a Sunday league game. And then the day after that, they resumed the Benson and Hedges game. Uh, a different ground so they went somewhere else for Sunday League and then returned to the same ground to finish off the Benson and Hedges game I didn't realise that was a thing but um, it happened at least once to Somerset in I think 1985 madness fantastic oh brilliant we do oh, I've got all nostalgic now can I, can I just say guys that the one thing we need to ensure is that Dan is in the ground on a Saturday when the captain's batting because Dan do you know what his average is it's 230, wasn't it? When I'm 230 it. with you watching him live. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So, Tom, if you're listening, can you get Mr. Kingdom tickets to every game for the rest of the season, please? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I've, I've, I've been Roloff's number one fan. I, I inspired him on, on uh, Thursday afternoon. Well, something obviously did because he, he produced form in Red Bull cricket that I've only ever seen, I think, once, once or twice before. He was fantastic. I don't think Roloff really has form. He either comes off or he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. but he, he didn't. He didn't play any of his really daft shots. You know, he was he was actually quite calculated. I remember and, one. Uh, wasn't I there thought, one he tried to get down on one knee and lap it over the wicketkeeper's head off Abbott? Well, yeah, I mean he always plays. That's what I call the falling over shot. You know, yeah, because back. <laughs> what was that new Banton shot you described? The vertical, the vertical sweep? sweep. The vertical sweep. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you picked what made Rollins in his remarks? You pick it up, hit it over your head and the wicketkeeper's head <laughs> with a vertical bat. <laughs> I thought that was what the aim scoop. Sorry. That's the Abe scoop, isn't it? Tom Abe no, invented no, that one. No, was that, no, a different, was that different? You stand tall. You stand tall and and to a ball short of a length that's bouncing on you and you pick it up just a yard after it's bounced and just help it on its way with a vertical bat over your over your head and the wicket keeps it. Yeah, that's the Abe scoop. Abe's what this is in the no, T20. No, no, no. Abe's has gone Abe's outside the off stump. And oh, yeah, this is, this is, this is straight. This is for straight ball. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's Sorry. the wicket keeper in Ian not wanting that to happen when he's keeping. You see, he doesn't. Oh, he can't contemplate that. I don't all. mind if I'm stood, but oh yeah, broke. Uh, we're well, not quite broken finger Saturday. Badly bruised. Oh, Showing dear. it on the webcam. Yeah. Oh dear. You're struggling on though. Well done. I did. Yeah. Well, it was quite a wide throw, and then I instinctively tried to sort of for to affect the runner. I almost tried to sort of table tennis bat it with my hand. And I didn't get it in the palm. I got it right on my little finger, and it's Ooh. it's a little bit swollen. But I'm a brave little soldier, and I carried on. Well done. I let about fourteen buys through though, because I was <laughs> just said, "No, nah, I don't fancy that one." You bowl straight, and I'll catch it in my left hand. Will work that way. Dan, did you want to say something about ten minutes ago? I remember yeah, you waving. Yeah. No, just just about Roloff's innings. He he came in off the back of zero Red Bull cricket this season, except for those friendlies ages ago. You know, he doesn't play a second eleven. Uh, Red Bull cricket. He's just been in championship squads. 
he's played a bit of second eleven T twenty and he came in and did that. Like from a from you know one one three to seven, score eighty eight at a fair old rate. You know, against you know, Barker was bowling well, the ball was moving around, it was overcast, you know, it was pretty remarkable. For a guy also who, you know, as we discussed on the last podcast, was averaging sixteen um for Somerset in first class cricket before that innings. So yeah, really impressive. And I was getting um as that partnership went on and on, I was getting more and more excited about the prospect of us breaking some records. And we, we sadly didn't get there. The first milestone was highest eight wicket partnership this season in the championship. Um, we were only about 11 off that, I think. Um, the next one after that, which we were about 30 or 40 off, was highest for Somerset against Hampshire for the eighth wicket. Then it was highest for anyone against Hampshire for the eighth wicket. And then finally it was us uh, our highest for the eighth wicket and the ro- the romantic thing about that was that Rodolf held the record for about a week in 2016 with Craig Overton for the highest eighth wicket partnership for Somerset Peter Trigger and Ryan Davis took mm. the record off them a week later so I was praying that Rodolf would get there and reclaim that record and it would have been you know, a very romantic wow. thing he's um, only got himself to blame yeah. I was, uh, I know. I was sat literally dead square on for that run up in the the run out in the second bat row of the Somerset stand. Literally dead as square as you could. And before the ball had even left his hand, you could tell that the way he was it just angled to let that ball go. I just saw it all the way just trace into the, <laughs> the one stump he had to aim at. It was heartbreaking. It was absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. I got my analysis right on uh, on the radio on, in the morning. Did you hear that? I said it was going to be a, a real flat pitch and whoever wins a toss will bat first. <laughs> and I, I thought I was right because... So um, I was in the Somerset stand, side on, and they had the two big nets out for practice. And then through that, I could see what I thought was the, uh, the most straw-coloured batsman's paradise <laughs> in your life. And I thought, oh, yeah, got this right. Yeah, high-scoring draw. And then they pushed the nets off, and that was the uh, Hessian covering for what I presume is uh, uh, tomorrow night's pitch. And the uh, the pitch they actually <laughs> stuck the stumps in was the, the colour of Kermit's arse cheek. So I was uh, got that it wrong, but it was pitch. a draw, though. It was a draw. It was a good pitch as well. It, it, mm. You know, um, they'd left a bit of grass on it, which is, seems to be Scott Hawkins's way with with Andy Hurry and, and Jason Kerr. And um, yeah, it does a bit early on. But it settles down into a, a good pitch because it was good. You know, you could play shots on it. It was good. It didn't go to sleep, it. did it? As much as pitches no, have in the past. No. I, I thought it was, you know, as taunting pitches go. I thought it was. It was pretty. It have gone in recent, you know, recent seasons. I thought it was a good pitch. Good pitch. I think they're on the on the right track. Yeah, mm. I can't argue with that at all. Yeah. So forty. Can I just, forty-three for can five. I just, yeah, first morning. Go on, Steve. Can I just? Kevin James really kindly emailed me um, with some thoughts, yeah. which I think quite interesting from the visitor's point of view. Um, he says, from a Hampshire perspective, he's quite worried about their bowling attack. Yeah. Um, obviously, lighter without Mohamed Abbas, but massively let Somerset off the hook, and that's something they can't afford to do again with Surrey and Gloucestershire to come. He's really complimentary about the side and said, how are the crowd? And he said, how much he realised that he missed the crowd because their first home game, uh, it was pretty rubbish weather and it didn't really allow a crowd to get in and get into the game. Um, And then the old pro kicks in. Don't blame Somerset for batting on longer than many of us expected. They made sure they had the points for the draw in the bag first. 
they then went on to bowl Hampshire. That would have been a real bonus. Um, I'm sure the position they were in halfway through day one was a factor in their thinking as well. Tom Aldsop, who we spoke to after the game, said he understood Hampshire, uh, Somerset wanting to have the points carry forward to September as another reason for their decision to bat on. But he said there's two game, two rounds to go. This is a game, it's cricket, and if you try to be too clever, can bite you hard. His approach here. would be make sure make sure you qualify and then worry about it in September. Here, here. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd also like to say, I think, because when you put the poll up, Ian, I was really cheeky and said Steve <laughs> Davis in the comment, but I don't know what the aggregate, if you took Tom Lamaby's 70 at Leicester out, I don't know what the aggregate of our opening batsmen in this, this season, but Steve Davis made 40-odd and 80-odd, didn't he, in the two innings. Opening the batting, fantastic. What? You know, if he hadn't made that 47 and hung around as he did, there wouldn't have been the platform there for Lewis and Roloff. Yeah, and I just, you know, just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I just, every game I get more and more impressed with him as, as a, a teammate, a player, everything. So well done, Davos. Well done. Yeah, he's, he's batted uh, by far and away the best he's ever batted for Somerset this season. Um, he, re- he really has. Um, and I think Ian said at, at the start that um, only for one game will he be opening the innings because Devon Conway will be coming. Well, if it was me, I'd have Steve Davis opening the innings with Devon Conway. Yeah. And put and, and you know put Lamb and Beef and Banton further down the order. He's a he's a he's a class act. Is is Steve Davis? Because it was it was very very difficult on that on that Thursday morning. Barker bowled really really well. And Steve Davis was playing it late, playing it with soft hands. He's moving his feet really well. He's getting in the right positions all the time. And, you know, I hope some of the younger Somerset batsmen really, really watched the way he played that morning. He himself was very, <laughs> was very downbeat about it. He said he'd struggled, you know, in, during, in, in that innings. Well, anyone would have struggled. Mm. You know, look, look, at, look at the others. But he, but he hung in there. He didn't give a chance. And I, I thought he, I thought he played really well, and uh, he's a lovely bloke as well. And and as long as it's not too much for him to be opening the innings as well mm-hmm. as the wicket, then I'd I'd like to see him going in first with Devon Conway when we play Leicester at, in, in the first week in July. And and I think the fact Tom Banton got runs in both innings, batting at six, five or five six, whatever it was, just nails that case that if he's going to play red ball cricket, he's got to play in the middle order. Yeah, and it was really good to see Banton. He was timing his shots beautifully, and and he really looked as if he's he's found a bit of form at at last, which is you know great news with the T Twenty coming up. Yeah, I was going to uh, bring Tom Banton up. What I thought about watching him is he looked much more comfortable coming in at seven, even though we were forty for five. I think a lot of players who have been brought up on white ball cricket they need to have almost a roadmap in front of them to know what to do. I've said this about Joss Butler in the past. The best innings he played for England was mm. last year in that run chase. I think it was at the Aegeus Bowl against Pakistan. It was him and Chris Wokes. He had that one-day style run chase where it was completely mapped out what he needs to do. And it was almost a join-the-dot scenario. Opening the batting is much more a blank canvas. And I think mm-hmm. an inexperienced sort of white ball trained players such as Tom Banton would potentially struggle more with your decision making than anything else when you're opening the batting in, in red ball cricket 
there's a lot of responsibility on you there to make the right decision. I think if you come in at, at you know, 40 odd for five, it's easy. You've just got to survive for a few overs, get yourself in and, and put away the bad ball. So I think, yeah, he could be there for uh, the foreseeable future down at six, possibly at the expense of Lewis Goldsworthy. Is um, I've not heard about how badly oh, he I saw was injury-wise. Yeah, I mean, he was off the field for... Um, pretty much all of the Hampshire innings which uh, was pretty unlucky for James Vince who cut one to point that was taken uh, at full stretch well, by 6 foot 5 yeah, Casey Aldridge 6 foot plenty Casey Aldridge and I don't think little old Lewis would have got anywhere near it on a on a scaffold um, um, Anthony do we, know, do we know what's up with um, with Lewis Goldsworthy? Yeah well he's the least experienced isn't he so uh, with Devon Conway coming in some one of them's got to go and, and yeah I think uh, it would probably be Lewis Goldsworthy, who's got you know he's got plenty of time on he's got time on his side. He'll come again. He's a good player, good player. Yeah, I can I see Devon just... Conway having a gentle net at the week last <laughs> week as well, wasn't it? That was good. Good to see him. <laughs> see the England bowlers batting him into nice English form. Thank you guys. <laughs> can I can I shock you and say I'd actually I'd actually drop Byron, not Goldsworthy. I'd open with Conway and I think what? I'd open with Conway and Davis, and then mm-hmm. have I agree with you. If if Goldsworthy's fit, obviously it's a month away, so hopefully his injury's not too bad. Um, don't really know much about it though. Oh, I don't know. Well, that's I it. Like. That's it. We've uh, we're finishing. Always look on the bright side of life. Now Dan has dropped Eddie Byram. Um, that's the end. Goodbye, everybody. End, we'll uh, we'll catch you. Uh, this it's, it's been it's been an adventure, but it's actually our silver jubilee tonight, guys. This is our twenty fifth episode. Believe it or not, Hooray. our silver well done, jubilee us. spectacular. It was joking apart, though. It was a good weekend all round, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. the Gloucesters got thumped. Devon yep. Conway got a double hundred. Mm-hmm. Essex look really precarious to qualify now because they've only got one game left. I know I know it's against Derbyshire, who are, are racing Middlesex and Kent to the bottom at the moment. But, you know, they're going to, with the, the games that are in that group around them, I think, it, to be honest, I think it's two from Notts, Durham and Warwickshire for myself. So, yeah, on the whole, I think it was a, a really good way to finish this round before we go into the the mayhem that is the blast. Absolutely, which starts tomorrow night. Um, just before we get on to the blast, um, I just want to thank all the stewards and staff and everybody at Somerset for uh, getting us back into the ground. A couple of minor gripes, which we won't sort of go into now, but I think they were all sorted out. Um, one was you weren't allowed to walk from the Somerset stand through the Tres stand to get to the shops um, which seemed if you had to go out of the ground and back in the St James's gates but they sorted that out on uh, on Friday lunchtime which we took advantage of to sneakily sit in Gimlet's Hill with our fish and chips and then not move so we got to sit there all day which was lovely because uh, no disrespect to the Somerset stand but it's not quite as nice as Gimlet's um, and then we had a special, a VIP special. Well, he's not a VIP at Somerset. He's a he's a Somerset fan now. Marcus Truscothic, um popped along midway in uh, Friday afternoon and just uh, popped himself into Gimlet's and and sat and watched the game. So it was lovely to see Trez uh, uh, Trez back at the county ground. I didn't see any other celebrities apart from Tractor, who was. Um, well, I think he, I gather he cannot wait to get back to his normal spot uh, just outside the groundsman's shed. Uh, Dan, any any thoughts about um, first game back? Yeah, it was, it was a good few days. I, I the tickets we got given were we gave, we had a tour of the ground. Basically, we started in the Somerset stand, 
no, sorry, starting in the, the um, uh, just Gothic Pavilion, lower tier, then Somerset Stand on day two, and both of them stand in the last two days. Um, thought it worked quite well. Um, you know, um, there was obviously yeah, the issue, like you mentioned, with the going between the grounds, but going going between the bits of the ground, but thankfully they fixed that. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's, it's they obviously, in terms of social distancing, there was a lot less than at Bristol. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've done the ma- I think they've done the maximum to pack as many people in as possible. So they've done the, so as in the maximum number of fans, minimum amount of social distancing, um, which is fair enough. And I think I assume it's going to be the same for the T twenties, and I think it worked quite well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to them. Yeah, so- I'll do a plug for the blog. I've just put up loads and loads of people. Thank you to everyone who put comments on either the forum or whatever just really heartwarming to read everyone's thoughts from being back in the ground and i think it was universal that everyone wanted to recognize that with reduced staff and all the issues that covid had brought back for the club it must have been a herculean effort to get everything done um and i think you know virtual round applause from everyone to gordon hollins and the whole team because they must have really pulled some long hours and i said in the piece it's it's very easy to criticize and hard to praise and say thank you in modern life and it must be really difficult mustn't it when you're working late you come in the next morning and find there's a few pops at you on social media because something's not gone quite right when you're trying to do that effort and then repeat it again twice this (laughs) week i'd take my hat off to them i really do i think they've done a fantastic job yeah i think the ticket office was closed yesterday and maybe today as well because i think they've what they've worked straight through for the last um, nine or ten days. Everybody in the ticket office just dealing with with queries, and uh, it was there was a bit of a queue because the rows weren't uh, printed on the tickets. But uh, that was the main queue getting in. I, I think was people having to be looked up to see which row they were in because mm. for whatever reason that was missed out on the tickets. But uh, I thankfully was, I caught yeah. the Facebook post about it, so I quickly uh, scribbled it onto my ticket. Uh, yeah, we did the same. It was on the email. Fantastic. Right, I think we've done everything about the first batch of county championship games. Unless we've got anything more, shall we talk about the blast? Yes. And more specifically, the teams that we have each selected for the blast. Because if you remember, I did uh, set everybody some homework. I'll start <laughs> with mine then. I have gone Banton, Smead to open. Hildy 3, Able 4, because they do like to swap round. 3 and 4 from Champo to T20. Eddie Byram at 5, Tom Lamanby 6, Gregory 7, Van der Merwe 8, Marchant 9, Casey Aldridge 10, Max Waller 11. Casey Aldridge, who took 4 and 4 balls today against Glamorgan. I guess we can have a, we'll have a little um, chat about the T20 warm-ups after we've done our teams. Anybody volunteering next? I'll I'll, I'll jump in then. I'll go Banton Hildreth, because Mm -hmm. if he opened yesterday, I'm pretty certain he's going to open (laughs) tomorrow. Abel at three, Roloff at four. Mm -hmm. Because remember when Roloff first came into the Somerset setup, he was batting three behind Trez and Kieswetter in the short stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have batted Bartlett at five, but he's not in the squad, so I think Byron will bat five. Lamanby six because we want his fielding energy and we want his bowling and a bit of pressure off the batting. Captain 
I'm going to put Ben Green in. <laughs> so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ben Green at eight. I've got Casey Aldridge in at nine because I was really impressed with his fielding as well. I thought he fielded mm -hmm. superbly. Um, Jack Brooks seems to have been the person doing the death bowling in the warm-up games. And Marchant played for the seconds today, which seemed to be very much the shadow squad to me. So I'm going to go Jack Brooks and then Maxi at 11. Um, I, yeah, so Banton and Hilger for opening. I mean, I wouldn't have said that before, but that seems to be what they're doing. I think it could be a really good idea. Very interesting as well. I don't think he's I ever... I asked you to pick your own teams, not copy what they're doing in the <laughs> yeah, warm-up game. I like their idea, so I'm still... <laughs> okay. It. Uh, yeah, Roloff at th they've had Roloff at three yesterday and in previous second 11 T20s. I think that's a good idea. Something different, you know, we've, I think it's worth trying something different. You know, we've not been very good the last two years in the blast. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, Vandermeer at three, Abel four. Uh, yeah, like Steve, I'd have considered Bartlett at five, but he's not in the squad, so I'm happy with Byram at five. And I'm going to have faith that he can recreate his 2019 form. We uh, now heartbroken Eddie Byram, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Gregory at six. Uh, I think I'd go Lammers at seven. I hope he can find some form. I think, you know, I do. If he was in form, I'd say no question Lammers plays, and mm -hmm. that's sort of seven um, as a finisher. A, I would have Goldsworthy if he was fit, but he seems to be, you know, seems to still be injured. Um, so, I mean, I think I would, maybe I would give Aldridge a go at number eight. I was thinking of Ben Green, but maybe I'd do Aldridge eight, DeLanger nine, Davy ten, and Waller eleven. But, you know, Brooksy has bowled well in the second season. Um, T20, he's got a good economy rate. And, you know, Ben Green, instead of one of them two, could be an option because he's, you know, a bit, he's got a bit more batting ability. So, basically, guys, Dan has picked an 11 of 14 for us this evening. <laughs> so, that's... That I much. can actually see fences being sat on outside my window here. Everyone. I love sitting on the fence. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my original team had Marchant opening while we were waiting for Devon Conway <laughs> to get here. Um, he might as well. I mean, what did he get? 17 off 6? 20 off 5 balls he could do. Yeah, he got quite... I mean, that sh the the first shot he hit um, in the Championship game on on Thursday, the first one that went for four over extra cover was a bit iffy, but that one that went over the Tres Pavilion into the church oh was a... Oh, goodness. That was a proper shot. Mm. And there was... Yeah, was it? Oh, that was a proper lofted straight drive. And then the pick-up over square leg. He hit one in the game against... Cardiff Uni at Taunton. That was a proper slog sweep. Looked straight out of the textbook. So yeah, I wouldn't made a first class hundred. So he's he has, yeah, yeah. I that, wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see March float in. I can't believe out of the three of us so far, I'm the only. I'm I've batting roll off the lowest down at eight. But yeah, again, well, we got. I think there's some Somerset players who are going to be crying that their number one fans have blown them out this evening. So I've stuck with George. If George is listening, George, I've stuck with you. You're in my side, mate. Even though Jason hasn't put you in the squad. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Perhaps he doesn't mm. want to spoil him. Yeah, mm. but um, we did discuss that he might be. He was. I think he was our our consensus pick to be captain in the Royal London side, yeah, wasn't he? So Royal it seems London, strange. Yeah. He's not going to go in the T20s. Come on in, Gibbo. We're all dying to see what what well, the real expert's <laughs> going to say. I don't know. Um, I think I, mean, I think Hildreth and um, and Banton to open is a pretty good call. Um, Tom Abel at three. 
I don't know. I think they'll probably play Will Smead, won't they? He played today again, if we're using that as the metric. He, got, and he played for the twos today. He got a few many. at a decent rate in one of the games. Mm. Yeah, but he's been... me. Yeah, he's not been good apart from that. He's not no, he did runs for Bridgewater at the weekend, bless him, so he's having a bit of a torrid time as well at the moment. I, I don't really see him as a T20 player, but I think Jason no. Kirby does, actually. Um, Lamanby's got to be in there. Uh, probably at seven after Lewis at six. So I, I think I think I'd, I think I'll agree with you, you guys and put Roloff in higher up. I put him in at in at in at five. So Gregory at six, Lamanby at seven, uh, and then we've got um, Marchant's got to be in there. Max Waller's got to be in there. Eight, nine. Um, I don't know about Josh Davey. He's, no. He, he, he might be all right. I, I think I'd give Casey Aldridge a go. Even if Casey Aldridge is in until Craig comes back and he has two or three games, you know, you say to him, you've got the first couple of games, go enjoy yourself, don't matter what you do. I think that would be quite a good psychological thing. I don't see Jack Brooks, really. I think Jack, Jack Brooks is... and. Um, uh, who's the other one? Oh, Eddie Byram. I don't know, but I love Eddie Byram. But he had that one innings, didn't he? But right. he's he's looked completely sort of manic in every other innings he's played in, in T Twenty. But I guess yeah, I, I I stick him in, and um, and that would be it. Uh, obviously, um, maybe five. <sighs> Yeah, no, yeah, I think he will bat at five. Yeah, I think I think he probably will. He, him at five, Gregory at six. Lam would be at seven. That means uh, Roloff would be at eight, and then um, Marchant, uh, Casey Aldridge, and Max Waller. Okay, it's yeah, it's I don't know. Be interesting to see how they get on. Essex aren't the strongest, and. Um, It'll be interesting to see how we get on without without. I know Martin is technically an overseas, but um, you know, without an overseas batsman. So none none of us have gone for for Josh Davy. No. Would, um... Well, I said maybe because he was. He, I looked at his stats from last year; it was pretty good relative to some of the other quicks. I mean, I, I think maybe Josh was helped by not really bowling at the death though uh, quite so much. Um, some of the others, he only went at eight point two and over, which was. Our best seam bowler, except for Jamie Overton, who played one game. Economy-wise, he was our best seam bowler. But, yeah, as I said, I don't know if he really bowled at the death that much. So that helps. Mm. Saw Ollie Sale running around the outfield, working up a sweat. But I presume that he's... I don't think he's bowled a ball in anger this year, has he? He... No. They just released a thing called Behind the Wyvern. And oh, I, I saw that. a little bit. I saw Not a little bit. Blaming Wyvern minutes. Minutes. Dragon. <laughs> Are we going to find the hills that we're going to die on here, Gibbo? Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm fed up with this blooming wyvern. It's a dragon. Always has been a dragon. The wyverns, as Steve will remember, was the name of the Somerset Supporters Club back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Nothing to do with the club itself. They're a junior type of mythical beast, as the Supporters Club are a junior thing. 
anyway, yeah, sorry. So well, what's the difference between a wyvern and a dragon then, Anthony? Dragon's got four legs, which you will see if you look at the... Well, I'm li- I can see it on Steve's badge. Yeah. Four legs. Got four legs. Wyverns have two. Mm. Well, and they, they have little T-Rexy sort of things right, coming. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is a dragon that's on, on so Steve's... Dra- so wyvern is two legs and two arms... A wyvern is two, two is is hind legs, and then its its arms are in its um, wings. They're sort of they're supporters of the wings. Like a whereas the wings are quite separate. Whereas here, look on the dragon. Uh, at least someone's got it, his one day well, shirt I've got on my, tonight. Yours is no, a bit. But you can clearly. Yeah. This isn't very good radio, is it? But you no, can no. clearly see the wing is not attached. So if you haven't paid Richard Bryce good money to get your. Tra- Who's frozen? Have I frozen or is everybody else frozen? Oh, bloody thing. One day shirt, everyone. Oh, I thought I'd wear it this evening. I'm glad I did because you were frozen. But where where else would you get cricket and heraldry in <laughs> one podcast, everyone? But, uh, just go back, go back to the side. Something we haven't discussed is Tom Abel's bowling. Bearing in mind, he was bowling at the death in the Abu in Dhabi the- T. Which, as we all know, is one of the highest, highest quality competitions in world cricket. Yeah, well, well, there were some quite good players in it, you know, and and he did pretty well. And I, I, I quite fancy Tom Abel because he's got a good head on his shoulders, you know, and and he could be quite quite a factor, which would mean that we would maybe need one less bowler and could strengthen the batting. Although you don't want to bat too too far down in T Twenty. So. Is he a bit one note though, Tom? He seems. Has he know. just got the, the he, sort he, of the full length way swinger, or has he, has he well, got work? He must have. He must have learned quite a lot at an average job, mm. you know. With, mm. but bowling, yeah. you know, bowling alongside other specialist T T twenty T ten bowlers, and he's an intelligent bloke. Mm. And um, at I least Lewis I, Gregory's got plenty of options because I've got just yeah. counted it up. I've got eight people who you expect to bowl. In my side, yeah. so well, uh, Lewis yeah. Gregory, Lewis Gregory wouldn't be one of mine. I have to say, mm. you see what he did in the um, in the big bash, but, the big bash. Yeah, he went about twelve and a half runs and over. My my theory is that our pace bowlers get whacked anyway. And I've I made a fantasy team a while ago. You know, we could go with just one seamer plus Gregory because um, we generally I think have gone with three seamers. You know, Gregory and two others. Um, we could go with one seamer plus Gregory and rely on a bit of Abel. And I think Abel is yeah. thinking of bowling a bit more. In the pre-season friendly against Gloucestershire, he bowled two overs to seven runs and took one wicket. And he came on in about the eighth over, I think. And mm. in the second 11 game the other day, he bowled one over for nine runs. And he came on quite early on. So I think he's considering bowling a bit more this year. Mm. Um, no, and it could allow us to strengthen the batting. And the, the, while with T20, you often don't really get down to eight or nine batting-wise... It does mean that your top order have more license to go for it. Um, you know they've got that security of knowing yeah, there's lots of batting to come. So, you know, our, we might be, we could just work with it. You know, we know our pace bowling's weak, so let's just accept that and stack the batting. It's not the best way of going about it, but it's it's what we've got. Yeah, I mean, had um, Goldsworthy been fit, I'd have had him in my side and played three spinners because I. Yeah, same. The best one in the world. I don't think our seam bowlers are naturally suited to T Twenty cricket. Craig is the best championship bowler in the land at the moment, but he was he was going like nine, ten, and over in 
mm. in the blast yeah, last year. Wasn't he? So, yeah, he, he's never been strong in T20. When, when, when you play T20 Gibbo Bingo, that is one of the phrases that <laughs> regularly comes in Craig Overton and run rate or economy rate come in the same <laughs> sentence fairly frequently. So... Yeah, it does. You're quite right. Potentially, I wonder if you could play him. I play him as a specialist batsman, maybe. I don't know. And Greg, he went at nine point two three. Yeah, it's too much. There you go. Too much. Not bad. Ollie Sale, poor chap, went at ten point one four. Tom Abel went at thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that? No, oh, that was one is, no ball, wasn't it? Technically yeah, down. it was. Yeah, four and a no ball or something, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah. Mm. So a dragon then? Oh, oh goodness <laughs> me! Here we go. Okay, this is going to be my final point of the matter. Who gets to decide what a wyvern is and what a dragon is, given that neither of them actually exist? Well, heraldic whatever people. But who says they? the heraldic people are, are the authority the, on them? Well, well the, they the, know more about it than you and me. Well, I'm calling it a wyvern. If you say what's the on the shirt, you say the Somerset symbol. The symbol for the whole county is a dragon it's the somerset dragon and the county club used that in 1891 when they joined the county championship as their symbol you could see this is all on 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 the internet and it's been a dragon ever since it's a somerset dragon and the wyvern only got draw, drawn in because the, the supporters club called themselves the wyverns but, but it's why, not why, why the wyverns when it's a somerset dragon well, because the supporters club is a sort of junior version of the of the main club, and a wyvern is a lesser version of a dragon. A dragon oh, is a more fearsome beast mm. than a wyvern. So, we've got the Glamorgan. It's like the Spit Ian. It's like Spitfires <laughs> and Hurricanes down in Kent, mate. Just get over it, move on. <laughs> and then I was going to say, well, the dragon is Glamorgan, but that's not. That's the daffodil, isn't it? So, do we need it a is. better dragon than Wales? Well, it's, it's a similar dragon, actually, but, you know, it's a very powerful heraldic symbol, a dragon. You don't, they don't come. It's, it's the king of the mythical jungle, is a dragon. I think we've uh, found the title for this week's podcast. Uh, I think we have, yeah. <laughs> I'll take your word on the uh, heraldic, but it's uh, it's one that always pops up, isn't it? I, I haven't seen the Facebook post of the Behind the Wyvern launch yet but i'm guessing that there's probably going to be several parts going it's a dragon actually the somerset dragon has he got a name oh stumpy isn't it of course <laughs> yeah. he is stumpy the dragon though isn't he not stumpy the wyvern exactly oh well, yes he is well spotted he? steve what's the, gl- hey. what's the glamorgan mascot then is he a dragon as well or is that a giant Daffy the daffodil, isn't it? Daffy the daffodil. I'll have Daffy to see the dragon. The daffodil. The dragon at the moment, I think. No, trust Dan to trust know Dan. that. <laughs> no, I Googled it. I Googled it. I didn't know <laughs> that. Mr. right again. The thing is, we sit, on our Zoom, we sit on our Zoom meeting and... I mean, my keyboard's one of the old, really old, loud ones, and I've kept it for ages because I just like the feel of it. But so you can hear me typing, but you can't hear Dan typing. So Dan will come up with something. We'll be talking about what's the what's the Glamorgan mascot called again? I go, oh yeah, it's, it's Danny the Dragon. And with it, oh, you know that because we just can't hear him typing. Fantastic. You're like a ninja oh, typist, so Dan. much. It's, it's just Dan. Dan is nicher than niche with his knowledge of cricket. It's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. What well mate. <laughs> What other ones have we got? Who's the giraffe? Oh, that's Lancashire. Lanky the giraffe. Well, let's not go there. Completely forgotten what we were talking about. Race is not my favourite part of the season. 
Oh. I love it. <laughs> now, Dan has now got to no, give what us you the need, stats. You need live music from six place. music DJs. That's what you want. Oh, stop it. Long. 51, I, I was minutes, 51 minutes and 15 seconds before mentioning the 100. Not that bad. I was thinking of making a list of mascot race winners, or at least trying to research it. I don't know if there's a list on the internet already. I need to find out. It's quite interesting. Go on, then. We've won Go it on. once. Homework for next week. 2014, <laughs> we've won it. Right. That was glorious. Oh, should we, so, we do questions before everyone? Oh, God, have we not even done questions listen. yet? Go. Go. Um, okay, let's let's start with Lauren Bowler came up with is Casey Aldridge the perfect Craig Overton replacement in the championship, which I think might have popped up after this afternoon. But as I say, he, he was very highly rated before the injury, wasn't he? So I'd, I'd like to see him play in the blast to see what mm -hmm. he's made of. Um, I don't I think that's more of a rhetorical question. One for Dan, um, for Herbaceous. What happens if the Bob Willis Trophy final is a draw? What's the tiebreaker, Dan? I, I I think it's the same again as last year, isn't it? Is it not first innings again? Um, I can right. find that out quite okay. quickly. Um, I think it's just going to be a draw. Oh, and they share well, the trophy. Yeah. I suppose that makes more it's sense. it's not deciding as... the championship this year. Exactly. It's just no. another. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the Bob Willis Trophy in it, in it might not last that much longer. I don't think it'll I think, be quietly forgotten, and they'll realise. Yeah, it's I think it's, pointless. Yeah, it's it's going to be you know end of September, freezing cold. You know, it was rain affected massively last year, and, and bad light affected. I I can just see it being either shifted to um, replace the MCC versus the Champion County game. Somewhere out in Abu Dhabi in late February, or yeah, or, yeah. or just quietly forgotten. Which, of course, um, we will need to be go and cover live. A, a we'll night. need to go and cover that game live, everyone. So, oh, yeah, we'll be there for you. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I did. And, we were supposed to be going to Abu Dhabi early 2020, and I had a correspondent ready to go, but uh, then COVID hit, and uh, um, I've got the answer. And by the the way, rest Bob is Willis. Go on. Uh, if the match is drawn and both first innings are completed. The winner shall be the team that scored the most runs in the first innings. So it's the same as last year again. It is okay. Uh, should the scores in completed first innings be equal, or if both first innings are not completed, the trophy shall be shared, or if the match is tied, the trophy should be shared. So that, I think that's the same as last year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the difference is that no one cares this year. We will if we're in the yeah. final. We'll want to win it. Let's, that's not. Yeah, but, what, but, but I don't think we'll be as pumped up for it as we were last year it, if we've just won the right, championship no, it'll be an yeah, 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 if you've won the, if championship, won the championship you are yeah. not going to care yeah. you're going to reverse the bat in order you're going to draw the forfeits out like you do where on tours you play reverse sweep first ball somebody's got to yeah. wear a silly hat but, okay possibly on. not Anthony's going to be sitting in a, in a freezing hospitality box for five days watching this so let's try and make him no it'll, it'll, it'll be, be the end of social distancing you'll have the run of the media centre yeah um, and just one last one, because I've already mentioned Andy and Harry and the extra game and whatever debate. David White, man after my own heart, just said, looking good to qualify, good to see Essex won. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a lovely way, lovely <laughs> sentiment. So, well done, David. Um, one from Harry Haydon, having done absolutely superbly to get ourselves into a winning position versus Hampshire. And as we can't be sure how future results will go, could we live to regret our uncharacteristically negative approach from late on Saturday was... Playing it safe, the right choice. Time will tell, I think. I don't think we'll regret it because we wouldn't have won anyway, would we? I, it was very well, very unlikely yeah. to have won. 
Yeah. I think we've got memories of James Vince scoring buckets of runs against us anyway, just to on a flat pitch as well, just to uh, to play it safe. Uh, we've done David Wyatt. Uh, Andy Cleave, what are your thoughts on the carry forward points ruling? Oh, I think we did. Uh, I suppose say we've covered we that. We did one, that a bit earlier. Uh, extra game versus county instead of the Bob Willis final. Yeah, covered that. Okay, thanks for all your uh, listeners' questions. Do we have any other business, guys, before we uh, uh, before we retire in anticipation of uh, Essex arriving at the uh, Cooper Associates County Ground tomorrow to kick off the blast campaign? Um, I'll just mention Western Storm. They've had one more match uh, since last time. Unfortunately, it was another, another loss to the Southwest Stars at the Oval. Have a nightmare runs again. Sophie Luff made her first 50 of the season um, for Western Storm. Uh, they only made 245 for eight, which seemed like a reasonable score. I mean, I wasn't watching this game. This was on Saturday. So, um, obviously, I was at the Somerset Hampshire game. Uh, but yeah, Southwest Stars chased it down fairly easily. Only lost four wickets. Uh, which makes it difficult to qualify, but they do have three home games left out of four, including uh, Taunton on Saturday. And I think I don't know about tickets for that. We've not heard. We we applied and we got told we had tickets, and um, we haven't actually been sent them yet. I don't know if they're going to go on general sale, but hopefully they do. And uh, it should be a I good. I don't think day. I've seen an email. I don't think I've seen an email uh, going around f- for them. Um... No. We got told we had them. We just haven't been sent the tickets yet, which is odd because we've been sent all our T20 tickets. But I'm guessing they're putting it lower priority because everyone who applied is is going to get the tickets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully they go on general sale and people can snap them up. Um, it should be a good day. Good day. Uh, Third of it as well. Um, and yeah, Western Storm are good at Taunton. So um, yeah, it's a shame we've only, we've only got the one game in the Rachel Hale Flint, haven't we? Uh, yeah, but two in the women's regional T20, which starts in about two and a half weeks' time. Um, so that you know, Taunton is you know good for women's T Twenty cricket. It's well suited, and Western Storm obviously were very successful there during the KSL. Um, so yeah, look forward to those as well. There's one more Hayo Flint game, and then there's a break for the Hayo for the um, regional T Twenty, and then it's the hundredth, then the second half of the regional T Twenty, and then the end of the Hayo Flint. So lots still to come. Cool. Um, anything from yourself, Steve and Anthony? Uh, for me, just if Ben's listening, make sure you get down those tickets for the Champo games when it <laughs> resumes for Paves get another couple of hundred runs each inning. So, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, I, Tom, Tom you... Abel for England. Yeah, <laughs> open. I think whatever you say about Number averages three. and runs that you score Tom Abel is definitely more aesthetically pleasing than Dom Sibley and Rory Burns I, why is Dom Sibley moving his hands out towards point just as the bowler's letting the ball go I don't it's I weird isn't it I can that. actually watch Rory Burns bat in a quirky way Dom Sibley I was at Edgeweston a couple of years ago and he was out first over and I was so relieved, not just because we got a wicket early on, but the thought of my Sunday having to watch Dom Sibley bat for about four hours was not something I was, you know, when we'd lost the toss, I was like, oh, no. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's not my favourite, I'm afraid. Sorry. No worries. Uh, are you at uh, Taunton tomorrow night, Anthony? I certainly am. Just just back to Tom Abel, Kevin James, who knows a thing or two about cricket, he was full of praise of the way for the way Tom batted. In that uh, second innings, it was a it was a lovely innings, and you know, he's head head and shoulders above uh, not just um, Sibley but Crawley as well. I think he's a much better player, and he deserves his chance. Mm-hmm. But as you said a few weeks ago, he needs to start or 
convert more fifties into hundreds. Well, Another one he's again. Still, he's doing that though, isn't he? And he's still coming in in the you know second or third over against a moving ball. Cool. Um, you at, uh, you got tickets for tomorrow night, Dan? Yep. Yeah. Um, got lucky. Got tickets to all four of the all four of the T twenties that are um, before the June the twenty first. So um, yep, I'll be there. Cool. Uh, I won't be, so we'll be relying on you and Anthony for live. Uh, well. Not live. We don't do live on podcast, <laughs> but uh, live in, reflection, in-person report. So, uh, just those blast fixtures. The first round: it's Essex on the ninth, which is tomorrow. Uh, then Surrey on the Friday, the eleventh. Then Kent on Tuesday, the fifteenth. Unfortunately, as Dan says, all these games are at home before the restrictions are lifted. And then our first away game is at Hove on. Uh, Friday the 18th, and then we are back against Glamorgan for a day night, which I believe is on Sky uh, next Saturday, which is the 19th. And then the first game after the restrictions uh, is, of course, away at Surrey. But so, shall we try and get together next Wednesday? Does that work for everybody? We'll have three blast games to, to look back on. Yep, fine. Yep. Steve was a bit iffy. Okay. We'll see how, we'll yeah, see I'll how see we Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Okay, no worries. Well, uh, for we've gone over. I think this is the first time we've gone over an hour. Thank you very much for bearing with us, listeners. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed. We'll catch you next time. Uh, but for Steve, Dan, and Anthony, we hope you've enjoyed li- uh, listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Somerset Podcast. Drop us an email at the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com or we're on Facebook. Just search Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. And we're on uh, iTunes and Spotify and all your normal podcast providers Uh, but we'll catch you next week to chat about some t20 cricket all the best and we'll catch you then